Welcome to episode 12 of Hashbang TV. Hashbang.tv. That's annoying me. I just got to tell you that. We, we need, need to stop doing that. We'll come up with a new thing then. Okay. You need we to will. come up with some ideas. We will. Hashbang TV is brought to you uh, by Alpha Punk, the best creative agency on the planet, bar none. Well, that's a big, that's a claim. Really? They are. They, they are can, the They best. can step up to that. Incredible. Um, so the first bit of news really is that we managed to crash Twilio. Uh, we were inundated with calls on the bang line. The bang line uh, has been a raging success. Yes. Yeah. I think we had three calls. No. Uh, and one of them was a wrong number. <laughs> wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> the other really one was know. me. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it, you know, it is a good idea. I like Thank the you. idea of people interacting with it, and I'm glad that you wrote all of the code. I did code it. it. Yeah. It What's the number? Python. Don't ask me the number. What's the number? Oh, it's O two O. No, it's not. It is. It's O two O. Double three. Double two. Double two six four. Terry Wogan is quaking in his boots. Yes. Next is. year's uh, Children in Need. I'm I can there. see you. I'm on there. there. I'm there. So, but anyway, you can go to the hashbang.tv yes. and it's on there anyway. Oh, right. Oh, I see. I so see. you go to the web to get the number to make a phone call. Brilliant. It's, it's genius. Mission. It's the future. Wonderful, wonderful. So, our uh, reason for being here at Hashbang TV is to find the stories behind startups in the UK yes. uh, and not just London where everybody believes that you know that's where this whole startup world is we want to we scour the country no. England Scotland Wales and even Newcastle <laughs> even the northeast um, so today we've got a fantastic interview with Paul who uh, has got the most incredible story he's been involved in this thing called Twitch Hiker yeah he's, he's written books worked for the BBC Local uh, and national radio. He's got a startup of his own to do with photos and games that we'll find out about. He runs, he's uh, in charge of an incubator, Ignite 100. What hasn't he done? I don't know. Let's hear from Paul. And he's six foot four. Indeed. Cool. So today we're joined by Paul Smith and your amazing title Liz, director and program manager of Ignite 100. That will do, yes. Thank you very much. Lovely. So the problem with this one is going to be trying to fit all of this in, in like, well, 15 minutes with a video and 40 minutes with a podcast, because I go, you've got the life story of someone I've never met before. But anyway, so we first came across each other, what, about 2009? Yes, uh, January 2009. Oh, you remember? Yes. Well, I can give you a date. Like. Me. We, no, okay. we all remember when we first met you, James. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Not yeah. in a good way. No, okay. Um, and that was around the Twitch hiker thing, but we'll save that for a second. So give us, give, fill us in up to 2009. <laughs> give us the, uh, the, uh, the succinct Paul, year, uh, Paul Smith, the early years story. Wow. Um, born in 1975, doing over there. Okay. Uh, Darlington in the northeast. Okay. Hence the uh, rather um, handsome accent. Mm. Do you want to comment about that or not? Would you like to? You're going to let that go? Well, I was just I was going to make a joke about putting subtitles on there for our southern viewers, but... Uh, subtitles I'll, on a podcast? Yeah, I'll avoid that. Yeah. Carry on. Okay. Darlington. So, so, from Darlington, um, I was six foot two by the age of 14. So right. I'm just throwing out a little random snippets. Yeah. Uh, I completed What are you my, now? I'm six foot four. Six foot two so inches. Sort of, yeah, just two inches okay. after that. Picked but a little bit early. Two. two inches is important. Yeah. Apparently. They're around here. <laughs> I didn't have a belly button until 14 and then it just really? stretched. Okay. Uh, yes, I did a GCSE in astronomy when I was 14. Wow. Big amateur astronomer, so that was going to be me. I was going to be uh, an astronomer or a pilot. And uh, went to Patrick Moore. Spoken Got a phone call from Patrick Moore. Are yeah. you telling the story or is Paul? Sorry. Keep going. Do you play the Crack on. as well? What's next? Xylophone? No. Okay. I went off to Leeds University to do physics of astrophysics. That all went a bit tits up uh, for lots of things going on personally in the background. So I came home, was barman, uh, worked in a record shop, that kind of thing. Uh, was interested in, in radio, so Darlington was awarded a, a commercial radio license around that time, so I got involved with them, started working for free just to do anything, uh, and then was on air within three months, which was a reckless, reckless decision. <laughs> because my mouth goes slightly faster than my brain. Right. Uh, so I was I was hopeless. I was barely competent, but I was cheap. I was only 20 pound a show, <laughs> which is brilliant. Lots of complaint letters? <laughs> uh, no, I think the most radical thing I did was smashed up an E17 CD when they said that taking drugs was like a cup of tea. 
Okay. And I didn't actually smash it up at all. Uh, but it was all PR, you see. Right. See, PR, I was, I was into it at an early age. I was making a name for myself. Yeah. Uh, that and also being involved in a charity drive for more dog food for the local shelter. Uh, that was my other great uh, success. Um, moving on, working various jobs in radio, across commercial radio, then into the BBC as a programmes editor. Uh, moved to London. Oh, I? Yeah! <laughs> I wasn't paid! That kind of thing. That's how I talk. Great impression. Thanks. Uh, I was uh, executive producer of BBC Seven, which was, is one of the BBC's national digital services. It's now uh, for Extra. So I worked there for a year. Hated London. Was meant to get married while I was here. Didn't get married. And that all went tits up as well. So I moved back north. Worked at another couple of radio stations, including having the delight of being the executive producer of Terry Christian on his uh, breakfast show on Radio Manchester. Um, and then ended up working at a, a regional station in the northeast. by which point I'd done 13 years in radio and was a bit fed up of it. Mm. So I left and decided, I know I want to be a writer now. So I became a writer. I started writing about radio for The Guardian. Uh, I started freelancing as a travel writer, although I didn't really travel. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it was... It seemed romantic, so I did that, and uh, that takes me pretty much up to Twitch Hiker. Mm. So before I ask you about Twitch Hiker, has the internet, the web, played a part in that kind of radio experience that you did? You, you must have seen those things emerging as an interaction with listeners and things like that. Is, is there an interest there in how people communicate over the web? In terms of radio? Yeah. Um, I have no idea. No? I haven't worked in it for five years. Right. I don't give a shit. So it wasn't something that you did as part of that radio No, no, show no, not stuff. at all. Um, okay. I think I spent most of my, my uh, real involvement with the web while in radio was um, in the forums on the BBC Seven website where they all slagged me off in my decisions. Um, <laughs> getting in Richard Bacon. You got my, you got my messages then. <laughs> yes, thanks. I enjoyed them. Uh, just been slagged off ferociously for bringing in Richard Bacon to present a, a breakfast sequence when I should have brought in proper presenters from Radio 4 who used to do the shipping forecast. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, so I was trying to, to generate some PR. Get down the youth. Yeah. Yeah, Richard Bacon, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that was uh, not really involved in web, um, but then, you know, BBC 7 for me when I was there, I, I also had the idea that I would like to see, I never understood why BBC 7 was a linear experience because ultimately, apart from three hours of kids shows that didn't really fit anything else, we were going down into the archives and pulling all the shows up and playing them out. And we, we, we had, um, had it on demand, um, but only seven days. And it was like, well, why can't this just be... Yeah, Did you have free reign of the BBC archive then? Oh, we could go down and oh, God, grab anything. Awesome, and, yeah, that was nice. Uh, so I, that's, I fell in love with the bush while I was there. That oh, was, yeah. Because the bush before it was a TV show. Yeah, it was on radio. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah, it was yeah, a radio yeah, show. Yeah. It started on BBC London, not at Radio 4. Really? So it was produced by, yeah. So uh, the bush originally was a theatre show, which yeah. became uh, a six part show on BBC London. Um, and then Radio 4 picked it up from there. You met so, No. Okay. I once saw uh, one of the guys hanging around uh, the Bowery Ballroom looking very pissed in uh, New York. Okay. Yeah. But that's that. That's claimed. It's claimed to fame. Go, that's shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. no, I haven't met them. So when we were looking for guests, James said we must get Paul on, uh, and he said you must have seen Twitch Hiker, uh, and I said no, completely passed me by. So what was it? What was the idea? How did it come about? Well, those of us that were on the ball in terms of technology in 2009 and clearly not, uh, you know, looking at Alta Vista, <laughs> uh, Twitter had come along and I was, I'd been freelance for about um, a year and a half and Twitter was something I'd signed on to just as I was leaving radio in 2007. And over that next year, it became very much uh, my community because I'd gone from 13 years in employment to sitting in my dining room and never leaving the house for days on end. But writing about travel. Well, writing about <laughs> a lot of travel writing going on there. I once took a train up to Edinburgh and interviewed a cabbie. Oh, okay. That's travel. A world view. Yeah. The, the Scottish have a world view. I think you'll find it. it's all going on in Scotland. All of it. It's all going on right now. Um, so yeah, so Twitter had become um, my uh, it became a circle of friends, people who lived locally, became a, an output for uh, events and finding out news. It meant I could meet other writers, so it was sort of a support network for me as well. I could keep in touch with radio. So, and one of the 
After coming out for radio, I also got involved in, in a startup. Uh, one of my old radio colleagues went to work at a, a startup and that got me involved in doing uh, user testing and the like. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of parallels between how audiences react to radio services and how audiences react to the web and, uh, to the web and how you can steer them and manipulate them and how you can get them to do the right things and how easy it is to get them to do the wrong things. And so I was doing a lot of that. And I've met a guy while doing that and we decided to mess about with some ideas and we created a a hyperlocal news uh, service in early 2008, uh, which was built on Twitter. So Twitter would be used for leads, it'd be used to pull in photos if we couldn't get somewhere to do it, and we couldn't because it was just me. Um, <laughs> but we, was, we were breaking stories before the BBC and before the local press. So the first out, outlet to break the news of Kevin Keegan resigning from... Well, that was you, the break exclusive. No, it was broken in terms of the local media. On the because, network. Because I could just, I got a text <coughs> alert from IRN from when I was in radio, mm. and I could just forward it to Twitter. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, and it was before, because the papers wouldn't publish anything till the morning. Yeah. All the local radio news was in uh, network, so it wouldn't happen for another hour. So I was breaking stories um, all the time before local news. So that was really interesting. I'm not quite remembering what that, that's got to do with Twitch Hiker right now. No, but I'm coming around on anyway. tangent there. So yes, yeah. lots of Twitter use, and it, this idea was coming coming around now and again that, that I wonder who these people are, because I knew some of them, but most of them were strangers. And then it came to a head on January the 31st, 2009, at about half past 12. He's good with dates. He's good um, with dates. And I was, I was stuck in Tesco in Gateshead, which, if you've never been, it actually is the physical manifestation of the seventh circle of hell. Okay. Um, it's been knocked down now, thankfully, for that exact reason. <laughs> and to build another shopping centre. But mostly for the first reason. Uh, and I was stuck in there one day, I think hungover, which wouldn't be surprising, it was a Saturday. And stuck in, everyone was just being a wanker and just not walking around and in, in, in shopping in the manner that... Uh, people should be accustomed to uh, by the adult years of their, their lives. And um, I just got myself thinking, I'd rather just be anywhere in the world than this place right now because it is a shithole and it is full of idiots. And this idea that I'd had before I came back and it was, I wonder if I can, because I was also using Twitter to, to just uh, vent there and then. I was saying exactly the same kind of things I just said to you. Because you could have a vent in private but in public at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, and, and that got me thinking, Can I, I wonder if I could be anywhere else in the world, where would I like to be, and could these strangers help me get there? You know, how, how much of that online network would transfer uh, offline? Yeah. So what was, um, what's the social capital of a, of, a, of a network like Twitter in the real world? So I went home and, uh, and that weekend tried to find a, a name, Globe Tweeter. I think was taken and not as catchy and Twitch Hiker was the vogue of putting TW in front of every word ever created. Yeah. So that one fitted. So I created a blog, I came up with some rules for it, um, and launched it two days later. So that was where it was born. And I think I contacted James on the blag for uh, some um, A SIM card. A SIM card and a phone and some data. Um, yeah, so you could blog as you went. Yeah. Yeah, and that was that was Twitch Hiker. That's how it started. So what did you do? Where did you go? <laughs> Nowhere. Really. I just stayed in my dining room in my pants. <laughs> pretended. And you pretended. should see the phone bill though. It's unbelievable. I, I got really good at Photoshop, <laughs> and so yeah, I appeared to be all over the world. Um, I started off in in Newcastle. But the challenge was to go right round to this godforsaken island. Yeah. Just the, the, I decided I'd, I'd try and get to the exact opposite side of the world. So if you drill a big hole from Newcastle oh, wow. through the world, past the dinosaurs and James Mason in the middle, out the other side, you get to ocean. That's no good. So the nearest bit of land was this island called Campbell Island, which uh, is about 600 miles off, south off the coast of, of New Zealand in the Antarctic uh, Ocean, in the, in the Southern Ocean. So I was going to try and get there, unmanned, not sure how, but it seemed like something Twitter could do. There were some rules. I couldn't plan um, my journey more than three days in advance. Uh, I couldn't accept help from anyone who wasn't on Twitter. I, I couldn't pay for, for any uh, transport or accommodation. Um, if I only got the off one offer, I had to take it. If I got more, then I got to choose. Okay. And if I got stuck anywhere for longer than 48 hours, then I had to stop, I had to go home. Right. So all these rules are in place to just keep it moving and give uh, the, the audience um, some interest in it. Yeah. So it was essentially a choose-your-own-adventure book from when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. page 47. Yeah. yeah. Boys own. Then you die and you think, no, it's okay, I've got my th finger in my I made the decision, I'll just flick back and choose something else. Um, 
so yeah, and that's what it was. So I started off in uh, in Newcastle. I got to Amsterdam and France, and when I got to France, uh, through to Germany, and that's at that point an IT manager in Chester used his Air Marshal Barney ticket to New York, so I got to New York, and wow. people there just helped me where get get uh, make my way around the world. And the, the the plan was if I have this conversation with you about. I couldn't, I couldn't ask you anywhere in particular, so all I could say is I'm in New York and I'm, I'm stuck and I've got nowhere to go, that's it. Then you might say, oh, right, that's okay, I'll come and pick you up and I'll drive you to Washington for the night. And then you might see that exchange on Twitter, because at the time Twitter would let you see conversations between two people if you didn't follow one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you might see that and think, well, actually, I can put you up for the night over a spare bed, or, or maybe you wanted to spoon, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so you could do that. Uh, so you would do that, and you'd get in that. And that's like there's a story there. But and, yeah, that's, okay. and that's how I, I work my way around the world. About 40 people were involved. There's about 35, uh, no, there's about 40 people. Five or six of them were companies, because companies could do it as well. Yeah. Because March 2009, companies weren't really into the swing of... Only cool people. Only cool people, obviously. Mm. Uh, who, who did you know that was? Well, this passed you by completely, yeah. so you can't throw stones. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I got as far as an island called Stewart Island off the south coast of the South Island of New Zealand in 29 days. Wow. Yeah. But you, you, you were like a TV star in the States. You were going on like breakfast news and all the whole works, right? Yeah, the, the, the path ended up getting me to Wichita. Uh, and then there's two kids there taking uh, a road trip down to South by Southwest. And as I got to South by Southwest, uh, an email came through, uh, through from uh, Good Morning America. Uh, so the next morning at, at half past five, I was looking at the bar. They had to clear everyone out of the bar in the Hilton, which if you've ever been to South by, that's oh. where everyone in the world is. And so I had to kick them all out. And uh, yeah, I was live on uh, breakfast TV across, across the states, which I thought, brilliant, I can't fail now. Yeah. Didn't help me get out of Austin. Really? <laughs> a, a librarian who lived in Austin had to come down and give me a, oh, give me a lift eight miles to the airport. Wow. Nobody at South By would help me. That's incredible. So, so yeah, so it all, it worked out. And uh, there's only one person who threatened to kill me, uh, and another man who wanted to drive me around New Zealand in the back of his van. Uh, but apart from them, oh. uh, I didn't die. Wow. And so, have you written it up? Is it a book? Yeah, about uh, everyone sort of assumed. Is it on bar now? Is it on bar now? Should be an audio version. Should be an audio version. Although we may need a different narrator. Yeah. Because but anyway, we will. I doubt you're, you're understanding any. What's that? <laughs> so you've got somebody to write it as a book, did you? You? Yes, because I can't write. Uh, I can't write. Even though he was writing for the Guardian. I, I'm from the north, and uh, I've. Uh, but I am from Darlington, so I have. I have no kind of capacity to, to uh, yeah. even higher higher brain function to, to write. I've worked with many beautiful and intelligent people from Darlington. Have you? Uh, yeah, I've worked at Orange for a long time, and obviously that was the beating heart of the Orange organisation. Darlington. Yes. I thought it was in Bristol. Anyway, uh, anyway yeah. no, we haven't got time for that. I love Darlington. I love Darlington. Bunch of wankers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, everyone assumed because I uh, I was a writer when I did this, um, I'd done it to, to write a book. And it wasn't the case at all. The fact was that I'd had the idea. And there's so much going on with Twitter at the time. I thought, if I don't do this, someone else is going to come along and think of it for three months' time, and I'll kick myself and hate myself because I didn't try it. So that's why I did it. But the story kept going around on, on Twitter, and it still does. It still pops up from time to time. And I, I'd see like 300 tweets appear in, in Spanish because it appeared in a, a newspaper somewhere. Oh, wow. um, and a publisher found out about it about six months later. Uh, so I brought them some uh, sample chapters, and they liked that. So I wrote a book. And that came out August the 2nd, two years ago. Uh-huh. And for a travel uh, non-fiction book, it is a bestseller. Wow! So that's very nice. And it's been translated into Chinese. Uh, it's been reprinted for the Indian market. And it's just been sold the rights uh, into Poland. So when's the movie? When's the yeah, movie? Right. The movie? Tony Hawk's. The movie rights were optioned, uh, but nothing ever came of that. Oh, don't count. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. So, so I, uh, yeah, I, I imagine uh, Seth Rogen, I think, to play me in the movie. Just a, a Rogen, lovable yeah. dumbass, I think, yeah. is what's required there. So that's that's Twitch Hiker. So, it, sorry, genuine question. Is there an audiobook version? No, there isn't. Oh. 
Okay. If only there was some sort of service mm. that would let people. Yeah. Mm. If people knew about wow. something. Wow, Twitch like a fantastic story. So, so, I mean, that would be a cracking interview just right there. Yeah. But that only takes us to 2009. Mm. In this rich tapestry that is your life. <laughs> so, so, Appy Snap. So you then went on and started your own startup, right? Well, lots of things happened uh, after that. Um, Apart from media fame, uh, which didn't last very long. Uh, no, fickle. No. Um, very fickle. Three divorces in two years. Who knew? Seriously? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I that's, came out to pretty, yeah. the guy I'd, I'd been working on this hyper local stuff with. Um, when the App Store launched, we thought that looked something interesting, so we started uh, having a go at producing apps for that. We started building apps for that. Um, and so we started working a lot with the Newcastle community of startups and the like, and about 18 months ago we had our own idea for a game. So we uh, created something called Appy Snap, which was a photo-based uh, game for iPhone and Android. And essentially it was the gamification of photos. So we, we started work building this about three months before Instagram came out. Okay. And the way it worked was that any time of day or night, Appy Snap, the, the entity, would send you a mission and it would be a photo mission and you had to take a snap of an item, a place, somebody doing something. Like a treasure hunt kind of thing. Yeah, and then submit it um, and if it fulfilled the mission then you would receive points and the more points you received you received other prizes, some okay. virtual, some real, there were leaderboards, there was a community around that, you could see other people's snaps. And that was very exciting. Um, that launched in, I think, June last year. It went for about six months. It had about 10,000 players. But we couldn't um, innovate and build quick enough. I'm not, a, I'm not a coder, despite being incredibly intelligent uh, and good looking. But you are um, a writer. I'm a writer. So I could do a lot of the, the missions and I could do a lot of the customer service yeah. and, and community stuff. Uh, but my partner was, you know, we had him part time. And so we, we just couldn't build quick enough and we didn't feel that was going to change. So we uh, shuttered it in January this year. Okay. And it actually caused this a bit of an outcry uh, amongst these really loyal players who absolutely adored it. It was their life. Right. The yeah. amount of face paint that Appysnap players got through was <laughs> immense. Did you have to um, keep coming up with the challenges then? Yeah. Is that part right? I and mean, in six months we got through about 400. Come on, Lord. And there were people who played them all. Right. It was it was it was loved by the people who who liked it, the, but a lot of the mechanics didn't quite work. Being interrupted by missions didn't quite work. You couldn't join your friends, and so we had this roadmap of where we wanted to take it next, and it would have changed quite substantially, but it was going to take four or five months to do. Yeah. And at that point, we didn't feel we'd hold the audience with the gameplay we had, um, so we shut it in and we we closed it down and. Few people got upset, but it still bubbled. It still bubbled under. Uh, but amongst the people playing it were a couple of investors, um, and so in the last month we've pulled together just a small round of funding. Uh, so we have twenty-five thousand pounds to try this again. Because in between, in between January and now, um, mobile gaming and the like mm. uh, has seen some phenomenal success. Yeah, yeah. Draw something. And photography apps. And photography apps are still doing really song, uh, mm. doing really well. So we've seen song pop as well, and and with all the kind of gaming mechanics we wanted to add, so have that player to player experience, and um, yeah, so we're gonna, we're so gonna try it again. So you never actually went looking for funding to the, the VCs were actually users of the product. Not really, yeah. That's pretty cool. I've never heard were, that before. That's pretty cool. Um, and they 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 want to try probably. Because of the success of Draw Something and the success yep. of uh, Song Pop, yeah. but also they saw the community mm. and the fact that we could put put out a just because the app was so well supported for a small user base, it was so well supported by so many people, and that really excited them. I think one thing we did well as a startup was community and customer support. And yeah, we did that massively well, and I think because of that, we gained a lot of uh, a lot of traction. Uh, and we gained a lot of loyalty. I mean, ten thousand in six months sounds quite good. That's to me. huge. I mean, I think, I think that's really that was all word of mouth. How, you know, did you yeah. do any marketing? No, that was word of mouth. Wow. Okay. And what type of people play it then? It Who into, are they? What VCs, three groups. VCs. That's the business you want. What are your users of VCs? Uh, mums, right. who okay. had a lot of time on their hands, and students. <laughs> students, yeah. just because they involved some of them were, took a took a little more. Uh, uh, it took a 
people needed balls really to do some of them. Okay. Um, so yeah, so but it was a it was a good mix and it was it was a great game and it was fun to do and it was rewarding and as 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 founders and people who saw these thousands of images come in, it was uh, it was brilliant. So what sort of prizes did you give away then for completing the missions? Um, a lot of it was virtual and when we in the last month as we've sort of ramped up to, to do this again we've, we've put out a poll to people just to ask what their motivations were yeah. um, the key one was community and finding okay. friends even though there was nothing in the app directly that allowed them to find friends yeah. they found each other through the app and, and through the social networks that we tied into Okay. Um, so that was really interesting but then it was virtual items so we would have caps we would have badges essentially Okay. So first happy start wedding there. coming up or something Possibly. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, then there was physical prizes, so we'd give away a Kindle here <coughs> or a Spotify gift certificates or yeah. something that would work in multiple yeah. territories. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, that was an interesting thing. We wanted to give away things like threadless uh, vouchers yeah. for T-shirts, and we couldn't get them to work in the UK. Oh, really? So, okay. you know, it just, that's interesting going, looking at startups again. It's actually, if you, if you want to take a product elsewhere, yeah. actually do you understand how other you know communities abroad work and you know if you're going to sell something can you actually sell it yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of smart people don't aren't capable of doing that mm. we found out so yeah we gave away just smaller prizes but we would give them away so often uh but yeah so smaller prizes would give away quite often and that gave the perception that we gave a lot away all the time mm. and that was that was an old radio trick right if you got yeah. to give away if you got tickets to a front row at a gig um you tend, you tend as a radio station to give them away in pairs uh -huh. so more people get to go but actually the thing to do is give them away as one prize and give away the whole front row and then you can take all your work with you uh, and that just gets a lot more talkability and a lot more people get a lot more nice. excited yeah. about that so, yeah. so that was the it's trying to it actually makes no sense actually because then I wouldn't give away a bigger prize as once so yeah I'd scratch that <laughs> so what, what was the most popular mission out of that six, you know six um, there were all sorts there was <coughs> some of them were really basic it was take a photo of a statue or take a photo of modern art that was a one take a photo of a, a pain, painting uh, and so we ended up with this art gallery like of, of 500 600 photos Fantastic. brilliant um, superhero was a popular one where you wear a cape and wear pants and yeah. your trousers okay. because people would go the, the lengths if you think about the lengths people could go to to do a mission yeah. and they would do it um, planking was a big one owling was another big one um, there's a little craze last year called horse maiming um, <laughs> okay. which, which which may not. Um, we can do a quick demonstration. If you, want. If you can uh, just. We're going to broaden the angle. Uh, just, just broaden your shoulders out and and push your head back as far as you can. With my hand or just? No, all the way back. So you've got to lift up your body and then get your head all the way back. Right. Right. Yeah. So so I'm we can't see your right. head. And then and then my head would be here. Ah. Oh, you see, so it looked like my head. Your head was down here. So we had people doing that. And that had 600 people doing that. Thing so you would see someone's body lying across the floor, but their head obscured by the door, and then a head appearing at the top of the oh, door. Brilliant. And all these horse maining, brilliant, hmm. old Victorian things. So, we've learned um, so games like that would be great, and yeah, so we did a lot of that. Cool. Okay, wow. And there's more of that to come. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. now you. So the limit is your creativity on the challenge. That's the great thing about creativity it. Creativity yeah. mind. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a lot of fun. That's a boosh thing, right? Right. So, so that leads us to Ignite One Hundred. Yes. yes. This just keeps coming. It keeps coming like an elephant. So, Ignite One Hundred is only in Newcastle. Ignite One Hundred is uh, a startup accelerator. Um, there are plenty of them about these days. Not so many in the UK yet. There's Seed Camp and there's uh, Springboard, there's yeah. Oxygen in Birmingham. So Ignite One Hundred is a thirteen-week accelerator for early-stage startups, and we offer um, uh, equity and a program, a men mentor-heavy um, program for thirteen weeks. So we invite teams to come to Newcastle. Uh, we're different to a lot of other accelerators in that if the teams uh, meet some basic uh, milestones, so if they develop an MVP, if they've got a good sense of what their business plan is, if they brought in advisors or strengthened the team, uh, then they can also receive a balance of £100,000 as a convertible note. Hmm. So they, they come off the programme potentially with the runway to see the business grow for the next six to nine months. Okay. Um, out of nine teams that completed the program last year, eight received the full £100,000 funding. Wow. 
So, and it's not just for teams in Newcastle, it's, it's global. So last year were teams from Dublin, the team from Dublin, Bluey, they uh, relocated and now live in Newcastle. Oh, uh, Latvia, Estonia, uh, a couple of teams from Brighton, a couple of teams from London, one from Newcastle. Uh, we've just closed applications for this year's programme and that has teams from everywhere. That's uh, India in there, there's um, Australia, Seattle, Brazil. Seattle? Mm. Wow. So we we're having a, a reverse effect now. People are coming to the UK from yeah, the US. Interesting. <laughs> uh, a lot of teams from the UK, but also a lot of teams from Newcastle. Oh. Uh, there's a real movement in the moment in uh, Newcastle. There's a really uh, strong, thriving startup commu community. Mm. So that's really good to see. So, yes, yeah, so well, tell, tell us a little again. bit about that then. Because, I mean, we, we always say that we don't want to just be <clears throat> London centric. To totally, yeah. So, last episode, we had Elizabeth from Tech Hub talking mm -hmm. about the kind of stuff that she does in, you know, Shoreditch. So, you know, what you obviously spend time between the two places. So, you know, tell us about Newcastle, contrast it with London. What, what kind of vibe is going on there at the moment? Well, it's obviously better. Well, clearly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, is way better as well. No, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's an industrial, former industrial town. It's two and a half hours away on train. It's not that far. Mm. Um, it's not London. It's not Shoreditch. But I think the interesting thing about Newcastle compared to somewhere like Manchester is that we don't want to be London. We're actually quite happy being it's Newcastle. Got, it's got a chip on each other, you can tell. Um, and, and building our own thing and doing our own thing. Um, and we're more than happy to come down to London to meet investors and meet teams. And, you know, we're, we're just happy getting on with stuff. I think Newcastle has a, 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 a well-deserved reputation as a party city. <laughs> uh, yes. Not all Georgie Shores, to be fair. Um, but it's also, it's a, it's a city of people who do. They just get their heads down and get on with it. And I think that lends itself really well to, to start up life. So we're not trying to be a Silicon Valley, and, you know, we're not trying to be a New York, and we're not trying to be a, a London, we're just trying to be Newcastle. I think the best comparison, or the one I hope will prove the best, is Boulder. Okay, where if yeah. we can, I think in five years' time, we can reach a tipping point where we don't keep losing developers to London or yeah. to corporates, and they say, actually, there's so much going on here. Oh. This is this is worth hanging around for. And at that point, the tipping point will, will be when that happens, and other people start coming to us. Yeah. So when I, when I think so, what's the what's the so the startup uh, the the Ignite Hundred stuff is all technology startups. Yeah. So it's disruptive web and mobile okay. startups. Early stage. And when I think of technology, and I think of Newcastle, I think of Sage. Yeah. What other companies have you know formed in that technology sector before? You started doing this incubation and okay. acceleration. Well, Sage is the one everyone knows. It's yeah. the only software company on the FTSE 100. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the interesting thing, I'll, I, I can give a, I'll give a, a couple of examples. The Sage, there's a company in 2005 was formed uh, in Newcastle called Bayat, involved in the affiliate space. Okay. Four founders there. It was bought out uh, in 2008 by AOL for 124 million dollars. Good. Um, we have uh, not quite a startup anymore. Pal Ringo is the oh, huge yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, text have. SMS messaging, yeah. very big in Asia and the like. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, that's all based uh, in Cramlington, which is just a few miles north of Newcastle. Uh, Onyx uh, is a big uh, web-based company. They uh, exited last year. And the interesting thing about certainly Onyx and uh, Bayat and Sage is that while they've probably got the money to go and live in in Hawaii and disappear for the rest of their lives and just eat and smoke and and have you know sex with an endless stream of beautiful young ladies, which is um, why we all do startups. It's the only reason I'm here. Uh, well, here. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I saw one earlier. Okay. Um, they could have all left, and, yes. but instead they've all stayed, and all of them, all of them are putting money into startups. Yeah. They're all investors. And that's the good thing to see, right? Because that's where the UK is lagging Silicon Valley is. The kind of angels that have been through it themselves and are now giving back. So it's, it's good that that is actually starting to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's part of the reason I think Newcastle in the last two, two or three years has come into focus. I mean, we've had, we've had plenty of public money. Labour, with their regional development agencies, established One North East. Um, but one of the things that came out of that was... Um, a budget to create a body that supported digital uh, industry, and that was CodeWorks. Mm. And so that was created, and and that pulled together the scene before Twitter got there. I'm not sure it's necessarily um, it, its remit fits as much now because it's continued since um, uh, the coalition closed down the RDAs. It's continued. It, it, um, 
I don't think that remit's there necessarily for, for companies uh, because it's done its job and it's done it really well over the last 10 years. It's brought this community together and it's, it's, uh, mm. it's crystallised and you know we're very well aware of each other and we support one another mm. and uh, it's given Newcastle a fantastic support network of, of companies and startups that will help each other out. Do you also get that kind of ancillary effect with the kind of, you know, the accountancy firms, the design agencies, the advertising people? Is that kind of ecosystem there or is it, is it over-indexed yeah. on tech? Um, no, I mean, if you look at things like clean tech, um, the North East has the biggest clean tech scene in the, yeah. in, in the UK. Uh-huh. It, it's not just it's not just startups, there's so much more there. We've got, we've got five universities up there. Uh-huh. Those include Newcastle, which has an amazing computer science um, output. We've got Durham. You know, we're, we're, there's, there's, it's essentially a brain trust that speaks for me. <laughs> um, there's a lot of stuff going there. There's a lot of smart people. So yeah, it's it's got a lot of design agencies. We've got a lot of the, you know, Manchester is more agency based, far more. A lot of the, the agencies will put the second base in Manchester, but we've got a few there too. So like Manchester, Newcastle was a place that. Um, was one of the first regions in the in the UK to have uh, regional TV. It's one of the first places to get commercial radio. Uh, not not long after Capital in London. Right. So it's 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 got a very traditional. Um, or it's had a very traditional agency environment that over the last ten years has shifted to web as well. So it's got it's got uh, agencies like Think, who handle uh, most of the stuff for Sony and for Pottermore. Right. For JK Rowling, yeah, yeah, so they yeah. built all of that, mm. and that all comes out of uh, Newcastle. They, they've opened up a base in London now, but it originated there. Okay. So th- there is there's there's a lot going on, and in terms of startups, we have some uh, we have a we have a lot of private angel investors and some consortiums as well, but we have um, uh, companies like uh, Northstar uh, Ventures and IP Group who who support startups as well. They have interests in, in many other areas yeah. of technology. Yeah. But they understand startups and they, they support them as well. So if you had to talk about one from the last programme, one company that's kind of kicked on at the end of the Ignite programme, who, who would you kind of highlight? I if you had possibly to do that. No? They're I'd, all as good as each other. I'd, I'd, mention, um, I'd mention a couple that I work with more frequently. Yeah. Um, one would be Bluey. Uh, and Bluey is this really interesting random chat platform, which sounds a bit like chat roulette. But what it does is it's uh, it is it's essentially a plugin that can be uh, added to any content-rich website. And the the point of Bluey is that it uh, enables you to have conversations with people who are engaged in similar content. Okay. So if I went onto the next web and was reading a story about iPhones then Bluey would connect me to someone else who was either on the same page or on the same site okay. or on a similar site mm-hmm. and it would potentially prompt us into having conversations so we wow. can have those. So that's, that's useful on a base level um, but what Bluey also does is it learns about the conversation, it analyzes it not necessarily for positives and negatives or keywords but also engagement. So mm-hmm. the guys have come up with a set of algorithms that, that measure engagement in the conversation. So if for example, this Bluey was used on the iPlayer during question time. Um, Bluey wouldn't necessarily link you to someone who had the same uh, opinions as you. It would link you to someone who uh, engaged you. So it might link you to someone who had the exact yeah, opposite yeah. opinions. Now, this does a couple of things. It's good for other things outside websites. It would be good for something like conferences. So the oh. first trial was at a, a big design conference and development conference in Newcastle, where it was... It was um, sort of tested on there so people could join that and meet randomly other people with similar interests and it, would, it can learn and, and find it out. For the publishers that's really good because they can then start seeing some interesting metrics and they can also use Bluey, it can analyse um, conversation in real time so it can then resurface old posts that might be okay. relevant, okay. it might be able to contextually change advertising on the page in real time based on conversation. And then there's this back-end analytic suite which is looking at um, engagement, it's looking at benchmarks across similar sites. It can tell you if you put up a, a post about iPhones but everyone's talking about Android, yeah. then that's maybe something you want to be generating content on. So that's really exciting and they're just get, getting going. But they've all got similar, um, I think, potential. There's Blink, 
which is getting into that experience marketplace with food and drink. So if you want to course in butchery or you want to learn something like that with friends, that sources courses. There's Art Spotter, which is a resource for uh, galleries and the like. So it's. I've seen them pitch. They pitched at um, maybe um, uh, an app circus or something. Well, like that. Yeah. They're, I mean, Raphael, uh, yeah. who is the founder of Art Spotter, yeah. is a. The Force of Nature, Givy with Dave Erasmus, which is uh, social giving through the social media, media, but he's also working on other aspects of trying to drag charity <clears throat> and giving um, yep. into 2012. <laughs> uh, Audimax, which is social analytics. There's Rentmama, which is car rental and aggregating car rental. So okay. outside the big five or six, there's lots of little car rental places yeah, yeah. that brings them together. Right. There's Crowd IPR, which is a marketplace for sourcing. Uh, uh, information about uh, patents in uh, overseas territories. Okay. Um, there's Usable, which is a software as a service for project management, um, which is a it's a very different take on it, but it can integrate with everything else like Basecamp. Mm. So I think I'm just gonna have to check now that I've got a pretty diverse bunch of companies. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Vibe, Vibetrace are doing things around social shopping experiences. That I think is everyone, and no one can use it. Those are the nine that finish. Uh, yeah, so so yeah, so a lot. Wow. We're, we're looking, we're keen to find uh, companies uh, or startups that that want to change the world a little or a mm. lot, and mm -hmm. will disrupt it. And I think I think this time the program is going to be different. Um, I was at the TechStars the other day in New York, and TechStars is is enormous now. It rules accelerators, and just on the basis of its legacy. Um, and it's history that half the teams that demoed had already done deals before they got to that point. Oh, really? And there's maybe a hundred investors there in the audience as well to see them. Uh, but I think what came out of that for me is that the accelerators have to focus on, on partnerships because in you, it doesn't matter how original your startup is, the, the chances are there's, there's another half a dozen in the world working on the same thing that you just don't know about. And so the, the, the technology will only be so much of a difference at mm. that stage, mm. what's really going to make the difference is partnerships. Can you get into yeah. the channels that can yeah. take your product mainstream? Yeah. And so for me this year, that's that's the big challenge. It's to it's to once we've chosen the teams, it's to find those partnerships that can really leverage what they're trying to do. And that's come up a number of times on Always. these shows, isn't yeah. it? Is the networking, it's who you know, getting the right contacts, not just having great tech. Yeah, yeah, that comes up time and time again. Always, always, it's about distribution. Yeah. So we've kind of rattled through a lot there. Oh, yeah. You've done a little bit, haven't you? Know what? I once met Roger Daltrey. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. That was a wanker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Anyway. Um, so, uh, one final question. Yes. Are you going to go on some mad adventure again? No. Never. <laughs> yeah. Does that answer your question? It does answer it, but it's the wrong answer. Right. Well, we you want could you to. It would be good if you went along round right? bath with a freezer. That would work. Or, yeah, um, I'm not that creative. No, I, 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 don't, I don't think it did. a couple of people have done it since. In uh, not 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 certainly on the same scale, but across America. Uh, yeah. Good job you got the book out. That's a good but, move. Yeah, that's nice. Can't you see them? Is it your no, intellectual no, no, property? I've sued everyone. Yeah. And, and the word Twitch icon now gets used as a yeah. sort of common well, that's word. That's good. So I've You're the original Twitch icon. I'm the original, except yeah. no uh, substitutes. Exactly. Um, you don't fancy, surely there must be an itch to do something again. But it, but it different. Work. This is the thing. Twitch. When, when a twitchy itch. A twitchy an itch to twitch. Hmm. Uh, Scratch your own twitch. When I did it three years ago, Twitter was quite a, an innocent place. Yes. And and every every tweet wasn't a link to say, come and look at this. And yeah. we weren't, you know, advertising. Twitter wasn't doing that. And it was all fields. It was all green fields. It was all fields when oh. I was around there. It, it was. It was. It was. Hasn't it grown up? People just found each other and helped each other without asking for anything in return. It was like a hippie commune. It's changed. Where we all had it, a lot of it, sex. It, yeah. Did we? I don't remember the sex bit. I saw I saw a picture once on the internet, <laughs> and it looked like they were having sex. Yeah. So early Twitter, Paul Walsh. Ever followed Paul Walsh? No. 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 Anyway, go on. Uh, so, but no, it was Twitter was very different then, and I, Twitch Hike was one of the first things to come around that really galvanised people and gave them something to follow. And now that happens every day. There, there, there are ten causes a day to get okay. behind and follow, yeah. and there really wasn't anything then. So I was, I was really lucky. I will put my hand up and say I was very lucky in my timing. So I tried it six months later, or a year yeah. later, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So 
Yeah. So what you need is you gimmick. never go back. Never go back. Well, well you know, you know, you just need a new a gimmick on a new thing. Maybe you could do it with Google Plus. Or I do have a new book coming out. Pinterest. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh there's a plug. That's the camera you need to plug to. Same publisher. No, no. The publisher wasn't interested in the new book because it was because he read the first one. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, it sold and made them a lot of money. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. Made them a lot of money. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> um, no, they, they they didn't feel the the the, the second book was gimmicky enough. Oh. It sold really well, um, but none of them were interested. So the second book is about a journey around uh, America on the Amtrak, uh, following the coasts and borders of, of mainland oh, USA. Wow. So from Newcastle up to Maine. Uh, following along the Canadian border, yeah. so through places like North Dakota and Montana, to Seattle, down the western seaboard, around Mexico and the Gulf of Mexico, to Florida and back up, and stopping off at all the, the big cities with then these tiny little specks, which are the pimple on the arsehole of America. That yeah. no one, the, the, when you're on the Amtrak, the whole train stops to let you off, and only you, okay. and it stops again three days later to let you on. So have you done the travel section? I did the travel. I did the travel last year. I, okay. I, I wrote some of it as it went. You just um, used Google Street Map, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you didn't no, leave I, your I, living I, I room. Travel, I travelled on, on 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 Amtrak for ten thousand miles. So you actually did go this time. Yeah, I did. I did go. Okay. How long did it take? Telling people, uh, it took thirty days. Wow. I only do things in thirty days. Yeah. That's mm. that's, that's a rule. Yeah. It's so, like a month. It's like, it's, yeah, it's kind of 30, like a month. 30 days is a pretty good rule of thumb for a month. It's, like, it's like 29 days, but a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah and slightly shorter than, than 31. Hmm. Some say. <laughs> and this is the title of the book. It's called Slightly Shorter Than 31, <laughs> But Longer Than 29, in which I get on a train. That's the title of the book. <laughs> on a train for slightly longer than 29 days. Yeah. That's the name of the book. But what is it called? It's called Tales from the Edge of America. Wicked. And it will be self published. Oh, okay. Because I decided that actually, when it came down to it, the only thing stopping there's, there's an audience there, as stupid as they may be, who like <laughs> the first book, yeah. and there's a lot of them, and there's me who wants to write a book, and the thing stopping it is the bottom line of a publishing company. Yep. And that seems like a ludicrous reason not to do it. Yeah. So. Um, it's very similar to the first book in that while the first book the everything was hung off this this gimmick this. This challenge. The second book is still all about the people I meet and the stories of the places I go to, which the first book was, that was the substance of the book. So it's, it's similar in that respect. Um, there's a testicle festival in there, the stories of uh, pterodactyls bollocks to me. in Tombstone. <laughs> that, and, that was funny. Thanks. And other things. That's very good. Okay. I'm going to, I'm just going to make it. Go. First one in an hour. Um, Fantastic. So, have you heard of? So, how are you going to do the self-publishing? Are you going to use Amazon editions or whatever it's called to, to get it out there on ebook? Are you going Not to... sure yet. Okay. Because um, now, since you did Twitch Hiker, there's all these like Kickstarter and all these different ways. Well, there, there is one. There is one for publishing called Unbound. I don't know if you've heard of Unbound. Yeah, I did. Okay. I did email him shortly afterwards saying I'd like to get involved because it sounds excellent. My problem with Unbound, and it was a problem with Seth. Seth uh, Gordon had a. Um, a uh, project with Amazon called Domino, yeah. is that it's still curated to pick out people they felt would only sell tens of thousands of books. Right. So you looked at, I haven't looked back at Unbound since, but, okay. but the project on the first page was um, Terry Jones yeah, from, yeah, from Monty yeah. Python. Yeah. But but no, but you'd be perfect for it because it's not it's not curated in the sen in that sense. It's crowdfunded. So you put your project up there with a video, which they help you produce. Yes. And if you get enough pledges for whatever the cost is that you need in order to sit down and write it yes. and to market it, if you reach that target, then it, it happens. But they are still a publisher. It's not self-publishing. Yes. They are still going. They're to still publishers, so they only choose specific. It kind of just de-risks it all for them, doesn't it? No, that's what they, if they it's reach not, a target, though, there's a guarantee that they will do those things, but they take a percentage. I'm not going to fight you. On no, this. no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when so it launched, look, when it launched, episode. when it launched, it, it, it was it was on the it was on the basis that they they it wasn't a free for all. It wasn't a place. It's not like it's Kickstarter not, no. where you could place your project on. Uh, okay. You could only uh, okay. you could only it submit filtered. it to them, they, and then yes. they would only choose very Correct. specific Sorry. ones. So actually, it is a publisher. Just, it is, just it is. wear it in different clothes. Yes, absolutely. And for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> nice. Um, Duncan Bannatine. Yeah. He lives in Darlington. Does he? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Fun fact. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not a fun fact. No. Brilliant. Uh, so yes. So uh, self-publishing. So but trying to do it a professional way. So I have an editor and um, I have a proofreader. Not just my mates. Um, 
and the cover's been professionally done by the same people who did the, the same person, Joe Hart, who did the first cover, who we found by Twitter. Of course you did. Um, England goalkeeper? No. Okay. A different one. Okay. I don't, you know what, in the heat of the moment, I can't even remember if that's her name. No, Joe Parry. There we go. Whew, Joe, Parry. Joe Hart is the that he is the goalkeeper. Yeah. But he's also got a cover illustration for books. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Even with the big gloves. Yeah. He keeps them on. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Footballers are not known for their. They look like fine those, motors, you know those paintings that monkeys make by yeah. feces at the campus. They look a bit like them. He plays football. I, I believe Joe Hart does look use feces with food dye to for his, his, hmm. his uh, Yeah. So that. Cool. Well, there's an audiobook opportunity there as well. Oh, well leave Always. It. Leave if it. only someone would, would understand. Yeah. Would yeah. it? It would need someone else to voice. It would be like uh, you, you'd have to. Maybe you could voice it with your charm. Oh, what a No, I, I think you. You know, I think the way with your radio experience as well, the way you come across telling your own story, I think they both would be fantastic. But we'll take that off camera. Well, I wish you would. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting bored of my bad habits. Totally. Yeah. Just stop oh, with the audio. Okay. Sorry. Right, we've got to let you go. Yes, yeah. yes, you must go. I've got people to see and things to do. More interesting things to do. Yeah, no digging. More interesting. Yes. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank I told you, you, you wouldn't disappoint. Oh, unbelievable. Thank you very much. Come back on with the book, though. He's touching me on the table. <laughs> I've been seeing that for a long time. Right, well, thanks for coming on. Thank it's been you. a pleasure. Cheers, guys. See you soon. So we delivered. Paul was great. Excellent. Then, how do we, this is just too much stuff to talk about. So we have to try and run it to a, at least some kind of deadline. So you should definitely check out the podcast because yeah. there's so much stuff uh, that you need to hear from uh, Paul. I don't know if the bit about him threatening to kill me was... Uh, oh, that would have been awesome <laughs> if we'd had the fight on camera. Can it we not do that? I don't think he knows that I'm a second Dan in Taekwondo, though. So yeah, but that's kind six of... Six foot that's four like, and Yeah, you reckon you could take him? I'm not, I'm not saying that because he might, sounds he like might be coming back. It sounds, like a, it sounds like you're throwing out a challenge. <laughs> no. Paul, if you're watching this, no, no, can you gonna... come back in in a couple of weeks' time? And beat the crap out of Chris. That'd be fucking brilliant. Uh, no, it's all right. I'm travelling around America for a month, so I'm not going to. Oh no, there. you're taking the piss out of him. You're just you're fanning the flames. <laughs> I can't wait for that. That's what a great be... interview. Yeah. Absolutely, what a stunning, stunning story. Fantastic. Uh, nice to see you wearing the same old t-shirt again. I've never worn LA this Raiders, whatever they're called. Oakland Raiders. Yeah. I've never worn this. Oh, okay. Never. Awesome. Looks looks like you have. Before. I will be going around on the second time though. But at least I've made the effort. Where's, so why's your Stone Roses t-shirt? You've been <sighs> banging on about going to see the Stone Roses. She bangs the drum. Uh, I brought my Stone Roses t-shirt and I left it somewhere else. So You're it's going to have to stuff everywhere, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be a special <laughs> skill I have yeah. leaving stuff everywhere. But I will be wearing my Stone Roses t-shirt for the next episode. Okay, we'll look um, forward to that. Then. So yeah, we need to we need to find some we need to find a guest. Yeah, we've got plenty of guests, don't worry. Ring the bang line. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. So, <laughs> till next time then. Yeah, another one in the bag. Yeah. Episode 12. <laughs>